0: A message that I wanted to share that I feel still to share today, I guess I want to tie in a bit with that month of cultural pillars that we were talking about. And again, thank you to our preaching team who did such a good job in sharing the heart of the church in terms of what these cultural pillars mean for us. Um, But what I want to say is that even though we spent a month talking about it, that doesn't mean that now that we've shared them that, that we're going to forget about it and move on to something else. Even though we've spoken about them, it doesn't mean that we're not going to stop focusing on them. Um, I believe that this is an ongoing process that God wants to lead us through, and so we're going to be coming back to these cultures and incorporating them into all of our messages and the focuses of our church to help us encourage us all to allow them to become a part of who we are. It's one thing to speak about them, it's another to act them out and for them to actually become a part of our daily lives. And so just as you would look at a a nationality's culture and you'd be able to view them and and recognize it, so I I believe that with these cultural definitions of, of our church that we would be recognizable too by the culture that we carry. Because the church isn't the building, the church is you and I. We are the church and we carry that culture wherever we go. But I was thinking about all that had been shared, and I felt strongly to, I guess, tie it all up again a, a bit, and and share this morning about what is our personal response towards these things that we have been speaking about. Because there must be a so what factor when it comes to these kind of messages. Got to be a, it's got to be a leading us to a place. It's got to be leading us to some decisions that have to be made and possibly some changes that we have to personally make in our lives. And so I wanted to, I guess, make this broader issue that we've been talking about a little bit more personal this morning. <coughs> Something that I did discover whilst in Sri Lanka is how easy it is and how subconsciously it happens that we adapt ourselves into a culture that we find ourselves in. It's very easy to just adapt ourselves. It doesn't take long to take for us to take on the culture that is prevalent around us. If you've ever traveled on the roads in Sri Lanka, and I believe in talking with other people that it's similar to places like Thailand and Indonesia, but when you're traveling on the roads in some of these countries... It's a far different experience than traveling on the roads in Australia. Can I get a wave, anybody who's experienced that kind of thing before? Okay, cool. When you're traveling here, it would see, when you're traveling in places like that, it would seem that there is a completely different set of ro- road rules that apply in these countries, that there's a different system uh, when it comes to how to drive and how to interact with other road users. For instance, the car hooter suddenly becomes this viable, often used and multi-expression form of communication. <laughs> While here the hooter is generally used only on the rare situations and, and generally as a last resort warning to people, over there it's used to communicate all sorts of instructions and intentions. There's different hoots if you want to try and communicate with a pedestrian or a tut-tut or a motorbike or a bus or a, another a car. There's hoots which say, watch out. There's a hoot which says, hey, I'm coming past you. There's a hoot which asks, hey, is there anybody around this blind corner that I'm taking at 60K an hour on the wrong side of the road? (laughs) I'm pretty sure there's even a hoot that says, hey, that's a really nice shirt that you're wearing today. There is just hooting going on all the time. It's crazy. Every trip, every road, every intersection, there's hooting all around. And everyone knows what's going on. It's phenomenal. Now, on the surface, it could seem like a complete lack of, or a complete disregard to any type of actual rules or order. Uh, It looks like a complete free-for-all. No order, no regard for anyone else, no direction. But here's the crazy thing. It works. (laughs) It works. People make it work. People adapt to it. They go with the flow. They add their hooter to the noise. And some way, in some bizarre way, it all works. And here's the crazier thing. It only took a few days and I got used to it too. Didn't take long at all. I almost, it almost became normal to me. Every day you'd expect it. Okay, this is what's going to happen. I would sit in the van and I would anticipate what Siva, our driver, would do. And I would kind of know what he was trying to communicate with his hooting as we went around different vehicles and that kind of stuff. And I got used to this way of doing things. To the point where the day that I got home, I drove into town to pick up our kids. And I had my hand on the hooter, ready to communicate with whoever was there. Hey, this is me. I'm here. I'm here. Nice shirt. Yeah, yeah. I know that hooter. And so these things have been going through my head the last couple of weeks. And I wanted to share some thoughts around this that I hope would make sense. And I hope that would be applicable to us. Because as we'll see soon in, in Romans... What was made evident to me with this situation and, and, and what I've been thinking about is the power of the culture that we find ourselves in, that any culture that we put ourselves in, the power of that culture for us to adapt to it. And the more I've been thinking about it, the more I realize that the enemy actually uses that culture to change our thoughts, to change our actions, and to make us believe things that aren't necessarily for our benefit. But we take them on in our lives anyway because it's what's happening around us. And I guess my aim this morning is to make us aware of some of these things and to maybe think differently to the way that we're currently thinking and possibly to fight back in certain areas where necessary. The goal of this morning, please hear me, is not to point fingers. This is not a session for me to be pointing fingers at you and saying what you should or shouldn't be doing. But this is for us to help each other to move forward into all that God has for us. And so let me just quickly pray, and then we can get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we just take a moment just to stop and just clear our heads and our thoughts and to, Lord, allow you to speak to us. Lord God, we give you permission to challenge us, to speak to our hearts. God, help us to leave here better than when we came in this morning. Focus less on ourselves and more on you, Father, that we would ask ourselves the questions, the hard questions we need to ask. Not what do I want for myself, but the hard question of God, what is it that you want for me? What is it that you want from me? How do you want us to respond? So God, give us ears to hear. Give us a humility to accept and a courage to respond this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Romans twelve 2, well-known verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know that God has a good, pleasing, perfect will for your life? In the message version, it puts it this way Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That statement's a big statement because what it's saying is that it's possible that you and I can live in a place and we can start to blend in, or we can start to come down to a different level, that you can become culturally transformed without it being a conscious decision, being uh, culturally transformed without it being a conscious decision that we make, that without even thinking, sometimes we can conform to a pattern of doing things that we consciously wouldn't choose to do. You just have to look around at some of the decision-making that takes place in our culture and our society today. There are decisions that are made today that 20 or 30 years ago would have been judged to be unacceptable. My view about something was this 20 years ago, but now it's completely changed. My view on things has changed because of society, because of maybe what the media shows, because of how people around me view that topic or that situation, or because of the cultural standards that we find ourselves in. And suddenly our standards, our priorities, our line in the sand, which 20 years ago we said was here, is suddenly moved to over here. Now, I'm not saying bring back the good old days. This happens in both positive and negative ways. Thank goodness that our views have changed in regard to certain topics, like multiculturalism, like community engagement, things like that. Thank goodness we have moved that line to be more inclusive and to be more reflecting the heart of God. But it really highlights how easy it actually is to become so well-adjusted to the culture around us that we fit into it without even thinking about it. And I guess my main thought in all of this today Is that in many ways we have conformed, in many ways we have adjusted, but we've done it without thinking to ask God, God, what do you say about it? God, what do you want me to do in regards to it? Is this for me? Not thinking about them, I'm not thinking about my neighbors, not thinking about the community, not thinking about the person sitting next to me. But God, what do you say to me about this? How do you want me to personally respond towards this? What is my personal response to what you're saying? Because what happens is if we don't ask these questions, then we end up blending without even thinking about it. And what's interesting is that God has a good answer in relation to us asking these questions of, God, what do you want to say? He actually has a good answer for it. And a lot of them are found in the Bible. I know, like, how is that? God inspired a book to be written to give us advice about how, what would be good for us. Wow. Cool. And so I'd encourage you to read it. But not because it's a religious duty, but because there are things that God wants to speak to you about. This morning is all about shifting our thinking about this bigger picture to actually say, God, what is the personal response? And sometimes we can read the Word of God, we can read the Bible to get a bigger picture, but there are times that God wants to speak to you directly about certain things and say, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want to encourage for you. And Can I say, not all the answers that you need to hear are going to come through me or from whoever preaches from this pulpit, but God can speak through his word to you about the situations that you face. But even more than that, we actually have direct access to come to God and to ask him for ourselves, God, what is it that you want for me? And so that's what we're looking at here in Romans 12. The Bible says that instead of just blending in with the culture around us, that we should seek God for His answer for us, so that it would lead to a transformation, that it would lead to a change. That it would lead to, as it says in the NIV, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Or in the message it says this, it says, Fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. I love it how we sung that this morning, from the inside out. You see, culture talks about being changed from the outside in. You view what's happening around you, and that changes your inner workings. But God says if you fix your eyes on Him, He'll change you from the inside out. It'll be a work that He does personally in you first that'll then lead to a, a, a transformation that'll happen around you. But it's about the inside out, readily recognizing what He wants from you. Personal. Recognizing what He, what God wants for you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, here's the thing, and please don't switch off if you don't agree with what I say right off the bat until you've heard me out. But see, we know that there are things that we should do. We, we know that. We know that there are things that God would want us to do, would like us to do, encourages us to do. We know that there are those things that we should do, but sometimes we don't do. And we need to be encouraged to do those things. We know those things. But what I really want to focus on this morning is that not everything in the culture around us is necessarily bad. But it might not be right for you. And it might not be right for us. Just because we can doesn't mean that we should. And this is the goal, I believe, for every believer, that we would find what God says, is saying for me, what He is saying personally for you, because it's what He says that is right for us that it will bring the best out of us. As we've heard, that God has a perfect plan for us. He wants the best for us, but it's what He personally says to us to hold to that will bring us to those places. So I'm going to teach this a little bit more than I'm going to preach it this morning. But there are two things at play here. First, there's biblical mandates, and then there's God-led personal convictions. So biblical mandates is what God says to everybody. Thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal. He's not changing his mind about these things, okay? He said it then, he still means it today. These are biblical mandates. These are things that God clearly states that he wants us to do. But he also makes it clear that there are things that he doesn't want us to do, certain things that he wants us to stay away from. He doesn't want us to partake in illegal activities, so we don't do it. He doesn't want us to do things that would cause pain and harm to other people. These things are put in place by God for all of us. It's a, it's a blanket statement. Don't do it. If you're called by me, do not do these things or do these things. These are biblical mandates. And then we have God-led personal convictions. This is where God doesn't say that you should or shouldn't do something to everyone, but he says, pray to the Holy Spirit and ask him whether you should or shouldn't do this thing. This is where God says, you can, but why don't you inquire of me of whether you should? Let me give you an example. The Bible says that it's okay to drink, just don't get drunk. But just because it says that I can doesn't mean that I should. Or does it mean that I have to? For us, it's a personal conviction to not drink. There are some of you who can have a glass of wine or a beer, and that's totally fine, and you're totally fine, and I have no say in that. And, and it, it's, there's no clear thing about that. It doesn't say yes or no. There are some of you who shouldn't even smell a to drink. But again, the goal, I believe, is for each of us to discover, God, what is it that you're saying for me? What is it for me? What is it that you want me to do in response to this? And I believe that part of what it's saying in Romans 12 is for us to ask God, what is it that you want for me? Where are some challenges that changes that I need to make? What are some personal convictions that I need to hold to? Tell me and then let me respond to this. Let me give you another example. We have a personal conviction to pray every evening for our kids and with our kids to sit with them and to pray for them and with them. God spoke to us a few years ago, but he spoke to us about that. He said, I want prayer to be a part of your daily routine with your children. I want you to teach them to pray. I want you to pray over them. I want you to make it a part of your habits. But it's a personal conviction that we hold on to. It's not a biblical mandate. So I can't preach that thou shalt pray every night with your kids. I can't preach it because it's not a biblical mandate. It's a personal conviction that God has given to us. I can encourage you to do it, for sure, because I can see the benefit of it. And so I can encourage you to step into those things. But the Bible doesn't explicitly say, pray with your children in bed every night. But what's happened is, over time, the church has taken personal convictions and has tried to make them into biblical mandates. And so we've had times where the church has said that women couldn't wear makeup that you couldn't dance, that heaven forbid you listen to rock and roll music. You listen to Michael Jackson, you're going to hell. And what, has, what this has led to is a bunch of religious rules and regulations that were probably at one stage a very healthy, God-inspired personal conviction, but people have tried to make them into biblical mandates. They might say, Mike, where are you going with this? What I'm trying to say is that we all need to ask God what personal convictions does he want for you to hold in your life? Because religious rules that aren't biblical mandates, but religious rules will leave you frustrated, lifeless, and restricted. But a personal conviction will lead to the transformation that God speaks about in Romans 12 that is life-changing and it will change the way you live your life. So again, with these cultures that we've been speaking about and the vision of the church and the direction that we're going in, it's not necessarily a biblical mandate. And it's certainly not religious rules that we're implementing and forcing onto people. So I can't preach, thou shalt be generous. I can't preach, thou must have integrity. But I'll have to inquire and encourage you, what is God saying to you in response to these things? each of our response towards it has to be us asking the Holy Spirit, God, what do you want me to do in regards to this? How does this apply to my life? See, God wants the best for you. And I I, I keep coming back to that. I hope you know that, that God wants the very best for your life. He is not a withholder. God is a generous, loving God. He wants the best for you. He wants the best life for you. He wants the best marriage for you. He wants the best life. He wants to give you a life and a life that is to the full. And so we need to make the decision to ask God, God, is this for me? What do you want me to take hold of and apply to my life that will lead me to this full life that you want to give me? So there are some things that we need to ask God, what are the personal convictions that you want me to apply in my life? in order to have the best that you have for me. There are things that we want to encourage you to do, but for it to lead to any type of transformation in your life, it has to be through personal conviction that you hold to. Let's get back to those things, though, about what you can do, but we need to ask God's personal conviction for us of whether we actually should do them. Again, I'm not talking about biblical mandate things here. If God says don't do it, we shouldn't be doing those things. But what about the things that you can do? Things that there's no definite uh, direction in God's word about them. The question is where is the line for those things or do I even participate at all? Now this can apply to a whole range of things. And the very obvious things that we first can go to is things like alcohol, cigarettes, painkillers. But what about things like our work hours? Social media, the use of your phone, shopping, indulgence, striving for acceptance, the shows that you watch on TV, the company that you keep, your recreational activities. See, for the majority of these things, there's no clear biblical mandate for them. doesn't say, do not watch TV. We can do them we can. So the question is, God, even though I can do it, is it for me? Is it for me? Where is the line? Do I even participate at all? What we need to realize is that for all of these things, they only cater for one person, yourself. Just because I can doesn't mean that I should, because not everything that I do has a long-term benefit for me. And not everything that I can do, that I do do, is of benefit to the people around me. Because here's the thing, most people, uh, most people feel like they're managing the things that they're actually not managing in their lives. Many people feel like they can handle the things which really they can't handle in their lives. And we've got to ask ourselves, God, is this really for me? Not because I think that I can, or not because that's what society and the culture around me is doing, but... God, is this what you want me to be doing? Is this what is best for me? 1 Corinthians 10.23 says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Maybe doing that thing, even though you can, maybe it's not good for you. Maybe it's not good for those who are around you. So how do you know if it's for you? How do you know if it's a benefit for you or for your family? How do you know if this is something that benefits your marriage? How do you know? We say this, God, speak to me and help me to make a decision. Lead me in what is best for me and help me to be obedient. It's a different way to live. It's not based on what you can or can't do, but it's based on what God says is best for you. And as a follower of Christ, when we come to Jesus, we come to the conclusion that I'm no longer living for me anymore, that in fact I'm called to die to me. I'm called now to live for him and to live for others, that I no longer really live a life that is catering just for myself. There's something bigger at play. That just because I can do those things, perhaps it's not what God wants me to be doing. It's switching our thinking from what is it that I want to God, what do you want for me and how do the decisions that I make affect the people around me? It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way to live. It's living not conforming to the patterns of this world. It's living not so well adjusted to the culture around us that we fit into it without even thinking. It's a kingdom culture. But kingdom culture is shaped by the culture of the king. And so we have to inquire of the king. God, what is the culture that you want me to carry? We have to come under the rule and the authority of the king for us to adapt and adopt kingdom culture. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. The decisions you make affect the people around you and actually help to shape the culture that you're a part of. They're not just affecting yourself. Have you thought about that the things that you're doing could actually affect the culture of those around you? The things that you do actually change the the standards for the people around you. And not even just doing the things that are right to do, the things that God encourages us to do, but also choosing whether the things that you can do, if those are the things that God actually wants you to do. Musicians, please come. See, here's the thing, and here's the truth for all of us. We all have a void inside of us. Each and every one of us has this void and God put it there in our lives. There's a place in your heart that can only be filled with Jesus and it can only be filled with the things of God. But the enemy knows that it's there and so he tries to get you to go through everything that you can to try and fill that hole. Every other thing to try and fill it up. But the reason that it's there is that we would ask God, God, would you help me to fill this void with the things that you want me to fill it with? It's inquiring of him about the personal revelation, the personal convictions that God wants you to apply to your own life. Again, I can't say you have to fill the void with this, this, and this. It's not a biblical mandate. It's a personal relationship with Jesus where he wants us to come to him and say, God, what is it that you want me to fill my life with? Is it okay for me to put these things in? Because I'm not only now thinking about myself, I'm thinking about the other people around me. What is it that you want for me? Let me fill it with the things that you encourage me to take on. Not just try and fill it with the things that I can do but only with the things that you want me to do. In John four, thirteen, Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman, and he, he says this to her. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. What Jesus was saying to this woman, he says to us too, that there is a whole lot of stuff that, you can, that we can fill ourselves with, but we'll be thirsty again. You can drink this water. You can. There's an opportunity. I'm not saying you can't, but when you drink it, you're going to be thirsty again. You can take those things on, but they're not going to satisfy the way that you hope they will. You're going to have to come again because you're thirsty again because it's not filling the void like you hoped it would. You're going to be thirsty again. You can drink from it, but you're going to be thirsty. It won't satisfy. It won't fill the hole the way you hoped it would. But Jesus makes this statement. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus makes this promise to us that I can fill the void in your life. I can fill that hole. And when I fill it, you'll never need anything else to fill it. But you've got to let him in. But you have got to let him in. You have got to choose. Do I drink this water or do I drink the water that God gives? Do I choose to conform to the world around me and the patterns? Or do I choose to separate myself from those things to say, God, is that actually for me? And if it's not, to be obedient to his leading. So, what do you do? How do you know if it's for you? How do you know if just because I can, if you should? How do you know what to fill your life with? You pray a dangerous prayer, as Dan often says. Pray a prayer that says, Holy Spirit, what do you want for me? Is it for me? I allow you, Holy Spirit, to set in my heart personal convictions God the things that you're encouraging me to do help me to have a conviction to build my life around those things and God for the things that I could do help me to know what it is that I should do help me to set in place convictions to only fill my life with what you want me to fill it with help me to live out what you want me to do and the amazing thing is that if you do that God will speak He always does. He always does. But it comes down to our obedience towards his leading. Our obedience. Again, Romans 12 in the message, it says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. And perhaps right now, that's where God is speaking to you. And you're readily recognizing what he wants from you. Maybe there's a conviction that's happening on the inside where he's saying, the thing that you can do. Today I want you to choose not to do that again. Perhaps there's a stirring and encouragement inside of you saying, you know you should be doing that. Maybe today is the day that you step into and you make a personal conviction saying, this will now be a part of my life. This is now what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to be recognized by this personal conviction that you're laying on my heart right now and I choose, Lord, to follow it. But it says there, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Church, it's no good him just speaking these things to you and us not responding. It's no good us being aware of a revelation from God, but us not acting upon it and making it part of our lives. There's got to be an obedience factor to it, where we say, God, I hear you, and now I act on it. God, I hear what you're calling me to, so I turn away from things that I have been doing, and I follow hard after the things that you want me to do.